What's happening, weirdos? I've been getting a lot of comments that the Charlotte's Web promo code isn't working. So right up top, this episode is brought to us by our friends at Charlotte's Web. Get yourself some hemp com gummies. Go to charlottesweb.com. Don't do slash weird, but keep it crispy 19 at checkout does work for 10% off. This is interesting, guys. I'm I'm recording in Montreal. I flew for the first time in six months today uh, wearing a a face shield, feeling like Buzz Lightyear fogging up a face shield (laughs) and a mask, which I think I bruised my nose because I wore it for so many hours and I had it too tight because I'm a, a strange person. And now I'm in an apartment quarantining for two weeks. Then I'm going to be shooting a a part in a movie, which I'm excited about. But to do that, I'm quarantining. So for the next two weeks, especially the Friday We Made It Weird episodes, uh, which we'll be recording with Val over Zoom, you can watch me slowly descend into madness as I'm alone for, for, well, yeah, two weeks, two full weeks alone. I think today doesn't even count. I think tomorrow is day one. So uh, that's going to be fun. But I'll also be doing a lot of reading and uh, learning and hopefully have lots of things learning. <laughs> Who says learning? But hopefully. And then I'll have lots of new things to share. That I'll And I'll definitely be excited to talk to Val and any of the guests that I record while I'm here in quarantine. So welcome to quarantine weeks. This is week one of quarantine weeks. You made it weird. It's already weirder than it usually is. This is Tan France. One of my absolute favorites, if not my favorite, I think he just is my favorite. I'll own it and say it. My favorite Queer Eye uh, host, I guess we can say, uh, star, my favorite Queer Eye star. He's incredible. And i you'll hear in this conversation, I just loved talking to him. So I'm so excited to bring you my chat with Tan France. For the Pete's Picks, did you know that according to research, men have 20 to 50% more orgasms as heterosexual women in partnered sexual encounters? 20 to 50%. And 75% of women still experience painful sex at some point, and 80% of women experience painful menstrual cramps. And it doesn't have to be this way. I'm so excited about my partnership with Foria, our newest Pete's Pick, with all the talk about embodiment and sex- sexuality. I'm happy to join them on their mission, on our mission, to close the pleasure gap. Close the pleasure gap. Foria, F-O-R-I-A, was the first brand to create a comprehensive product line addressing the sexual and pleasure needs of women with CBD-enriched arousal oil, lubricant, and suppositories that help alleviate women's issues related to painful sex, menstrual cramps, and even postmenopausal issues. It's 100% plant-based. It's organic. There's no fragrances. There's no additives. This is not some weird cherry-flavored lube. This is a groovy, hip conscious company that makes incredible stuff that Val and I actually tried when we were on uh, Not Safe with Nikki Glaser. It was in the gift basket, and we tried their bestseller with thousands of glowing reviews from fans. It's called Awaken Arousal Oil, and we felt so in our bodies when we use it. it. It just drops us into the moment, connected, embodied, and supported by these wonderful plant allies. Awaken was taken, uh, it's to take, excuse me, Awaken was taken, female pleasure to the next level. 
to enhance arousal and access to orgasm to make great sex even better and ease discomfort, which can unfortunately be so common. It's the best stuff we found. Uh, it's high end. It's wonderful. And it really is next level and a game changer. It's amazing. So if you love this show and you want to show your support for this always free podcast and have some better sex, why not? Go to Foria Wellness, F-O-R-I-A, wellness.com slash weird for 20% off your first order. That's 20% off for the first order for listeners of the show. Go to foriawellness.com slash weird. It also makes sense that our friends at Living Libations would uh, be on this episode, seeing as I'm talking to Tan France about self-care, self-love. I believe Living Libations even gets a name check in this episode because we talk about how I'm mindful about what I put in my body, but I realized years ago that I wasn't being very careful about what I put on my body. Of course, what you put on your body absorbs into your skin and goes into your body. I was buying shaving cream and face washes that I thought were fancy and good because they had fancy names and they were at the mall and they were expensive. Uh, but of course, they were made with chemicals with no interest in health or safety, just whatever they could get away with to make whatever goop they could give us that smells strange. You know, if, if you were a deer, you wouldn't eat these creams. <laughs> you would eat the ones at Living Libations. I'm not kidding. I would eat Living Libations. They're made from ingredients and oils that you recognize that you can put on your body and feel confident are going in your body. I started with their ginger exfoliating scrub, which I use this morning before I shave. That's a Pete Pro tip exfoliate before you shave. It's made with plants and oils and extracts, and it's natural and real, but it's actually the most powerful and gritty and exfoliating exfoliant I've ever found. And then I use their Zen Shave, which is their uh, shave balm, which is so clean and natural and moisturizing, you can actually use a dab of it as an aftershave. It's not some anonymous neon blue goo shot out from a pressurized can at a 7-Eleven. Then at night, I use their Best Skin Ever Moisturizer. It is incredible. Keeps your skin looking great, feeling great, smells great. It's what I put on before bed. But whatever your skin needs, if you want to support the show and you just want to get something small, they have little things. They have stuff for teeth. They have stuff for eyes, for your body, for your face. We've even got Leela on their baby stuff. I've started using their toothpaste products or really more like a powder. It's incredible stuff. Go to livinglibations.com and use promo code WEIRD at checkout for 20% off and get a high-end, natural, wonderful product to replace the random chemical nightmare that you bought at CVS. Go to livinglibations.com, promo code WEIRD. And last but not least, I'm wearing them now. What color? It's kind of a cranberry. I'm wearing my cranberry. Cranberry <laughs> colored me undies. I'm already losing it. Day one, day 0.5 in quarantine alone in an apartment. Uh, me undies, guys. Me and Val both three, four years ago realized that we were grown ass people and we wanted some good quality underwear that not only fits perfectly and is made from micro modal fabric that's five times softer than cotton, really, really soft, really, really nice, but also prints and colors that make me happy, that put me in a good mood when I'm picking them out in the morning, especially this month. You get some, get yourself some Halloween me undies. They've got the new prints. They've got cats, blood, skeletons. I really do enjoy picking out and putting on the undies that make me feel confident, make me want to jump my own bones. Get it? Halloween, jump my own bones. 
you got to feel comfortable in your skin. Keyword, your skin. Not Silence of the Lambs, not a Michael Myers, nothing like that. Be comfortable in your skin this holiday season. I did an overhaul of pajama pants. They have onesies made of the same fabric. And of course, every single pair of me and Val's underwear is now MeUndies, and I haven't looked back. So I even have the uh, membership, MeUndies membership. I love getting my MeUndies sent right to my door because, you know, who really wants to grab questionable six-pack of underwear at a local drugstore? And you get uh, site-wide savings and deals. So go to MeUndies.com, an exclusive offer for weirdos. Get 15% off your first-time purchase and free shipping. Go to MeUndies.com slash weird for 15% off free shipping meandies.com slash weird all right guys i am looking forward you'll be the only people i'm talking to (laughs) really um for the next couple weeks so this is going to get strange i'm glad you guys are on the ride and here is a talk that i had you're gonna love them just so much i did i'm so happy to share my chat with tan france get into it i'm gonna go investigate an unfamiliar sound (laughs) <laughs> it's <love> tan <laughs> it sure is in a sleeveless yeah. it's my lazy at home clothing this is what this is what let's just jump right in who cares i'm like <laughs> my first and first of all i'm just so pleased to meet you i think you're incredible also that's very nice of you to say thank you i love your boudoir is this your home this is my home i designed it myself two years Did- two and a half years ago hidden talent yeah, I <laughs> sometimes it just hits real hard. That's really strong. I love the black chandeliers, which is a very queer eye move. That is that. In fact, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to tease your homeboys. Not that I even would. But like, we always laugh that the move is painting the the wood black. We're like, he's yeah, going yeah, yeah, yeah. to paint the wood black because it's very in style. I guess. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. I don't usually love that we paint everything either white or black. However, (laughs) on the show, I mean, in general, like the the trend these days is to paint like a beautiful brick house on the outside white and then put black beams on it. I'm like, no, it was actually lovely brick. It's just very black and white house right now. However, this black just made sense. The uh, the sconces were originally a really weird color, but they're original to the house, and the color didn't go with anything, and so it just made sense to make it black. I love it. And forgive me for being so superficial, but you are just one of the masters of design and looks and fashion, so I am just yes. devouring everything I'm able to see. You have a mustache, which is just the best. <laughs> Let's talk. It's been like a week. Let's so talk not, about it. Let's talk about it. Like a stash yet. Like it's coming through within a couple of weeks. It will be a full on stash. But you know how people in quarantine have been like dyeing their hair pink? Like you must have seen on social media a load of kids dyeing their hair pink. I, that's not for me. But I do want to see <laughs> something during COVID because not many people are seeing me. So this is my version of the pink hair. That's it. I like that very much. I think it's going to work. I think it's going to be... A lot of people are hating it. I literally just posted about it on my social and the amount of people who were like, no, shave it off. We like you clean shaven. I really want to say, oh, I'm sorry. I 
forgot that you get to dictate who I am. <laughs> oh my god. Did you comment that back? What's your no, what's your I, I ignore comments and DMs. I don't get involved in the drama unless something gets really ridiculous, I'll comment, but I I'm not I, I learned very, very early on that um, you getting angry and you showing upset achieves very little. For sure. But I have to imagine your your DM box is flooded with people that are like, you're changing my life. I mean, like you're you're in the heart opening business. Yeah, which is really sweet. However, I don't look at my DMs. So I hear <laughs> that that is the case, uh, that we have many, many lovely, lovely, lovely messages. Uh, however, for my own like mental health or my mental preservation i don't look at dms i, I just understand. really unwise if you believe the sweet ones i say this every time if you believe the sweet ones it, you're always risking you're kind of reaching your head and your hand into like a dark aquarium oh yeah yeah and yeah. there and there might be a little candy back but there might be a spider in there yeah absolutely and and then I'm embarrassed to admit that that can take me off my axis for a couple of days sometimes. For me too. For me too. It, uh, I didn't realize how much it would affect me before getting into this industry. Um, I always thought I could take a comment, like no big deal. However, it, it really does screw you up for a while. Of course, absolutely. Well, a little bit more on the stash. We're going to circle the stash just for one more because I, I opened with how great I, I wouldn't have brought it up. Thanks. It I'll is a, you know, Kumail. I love uh, him. He's a friend. Kumail has been one of my best friends for 20 years, believe it or not. Um, I, I just mean the 20 year part. I can't believe it's been that long. <laughs> yeah. We've talked a little bit about, you know, like facial hair has a little bit of a different meaning in the Muslim community. Yeah. Was, is that any part of like the clean shaven choice? Cause it, it is a little no. bit. No. no, 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 not at all. Um, I, I stay clean shaven because any kind of stubble itches so, it's so uncomfortable. I like, love that I read so much into it and you're like, no, it just feels better. I know, that's very <laughs> so considerate and respectful. However, no, I, uh, within like four days, I want to rip my own face off. And yeah. this has been torture. Like I'm having to moisturize this every hour or two. So I don't think it's going to last longer than another couple of weeks before I, I'm so done with it. So no, it's got nothing to do with religious that's stuff. Hilarious. I actually would really like to have a bit of a beard it's just it's almost impossible for me i don't yeah, know get through that well kumail looks great i knew him his whole life and he never had a beard and then he grew a beard and i was like oh this is this is perfect this really yeah. works for him he's got longer hair right now and i think it looks so lovely yes and um, he looks like a horse stood up i mean he's it's like a man <laughs> like his, his quarantine de-stressor has clearly been to continue working out it's <laughs> like really annoying we started <laughs> a couple of weeks ago and i asked oh have you let it fall by the wayside like who's going to the gym and he said oh no i i'm sticking with it and i was I knew this would happen. So when he had started to really get into it, we went for lunch uh, in Los Feliz and uh, it was me, him and Emily. Mm. And Emily, and for anyone who's listening who doesn't know who Emily is, Emily V. Gordon is incredible. She's a very talented writer and she is Kamel's wife. Yep. And uh, she uh, she was saying, oh, don't mind Kamel. He's going to order really weirdly. I was like, what on earth are you talking about? He was like, oh, I'm going on this 
weightlifting journey. I'm, I've got <laughs> great. That's so annoying, but okay, great. Um, do you think that once you get to the point, because he wanted to be like superhero ripped, because he's going to play a or he's playing a superhero. I was like, okay, once you hit that point, though, you know that you can't just go back to normal life. Once you've seen yourself that way, it can't be possible for you to be like, yeah, I'm just going to go back to regular Camille. I know that that's why I refuse to push that hard at the gym. If I look, if my body is like anti Perovskis, I know that the rest of my life I'll look back thinking, remember how I used to look like that and now I don't? I would oh. be like that every day. And so I knew it would happen. I told him it would happen and it's happening right now. He's like, how can I go back to my old, like my old body now that I know what I can look like? I'm like, mm-hmm. Yes. Isn't that, you've really touched on something that I think about a lot because I'm one of these guys and we're not, you're not, you're off the clock. This is your time. I want you to be relaxed. So don't feel like I'm asking you to queer eye me. It's just like, I'm one of those guys. It's like my body. I love my body. I love my clothes, but there's not a lot of effort going into either one. Yeah. Okay, sure. Let's, let's peel back the layers. If you talk to me, I'd be like, well, I'm a comedian. What I have to offer is, is really more my personality. I'm a good conversationalist, this, this, and this, blah, blah, blah. But really, Dan, and isn't this your business? If you were like Pete, you can wave a magic wand and you can look however you want. Wouldn't I, if I was a video game, nudge the bar a little bit, bit more towards Camille? Yeah. I'm not just saying this. Yeah. I don't know if I would want to look so strong that people would like need to comment on it, yeah. but I would want to look more fit just because I think that could feel really good. It could give me, like you're always saying on Queer Eye, it give you confidence. It would make me sort of, even just what the first thought I had was like, what that must be like to shower. It's like washing something in a museum or something. <laughs> yeah. And then isn't that, part of your job and i'd love for you to speak on getting people to green light their their confidence and their self-love to the point where it's like i know you think you're not invited to the stylish club or the beautiful club everybody's beautiful but you know what i mean the like sculpted club yeah. and and talk a little bit about the psychology of that maybe in your own life because you couldn't have always looked this great <laughs> You're very kind. Um, uh, so here's the thing. I, it's a difficult one because uh, I truly believe I support body positivity and I am body positive. However, I get accused of being uh, fat phobic all the time because of the things that I say or the way I t articulate things on the show. If oh. I say that, oh, this thing will look really flattering, apparently that's me saying, I think they look horrible with the weight that they have. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. I'm not that horrible of a person. And it's not even that I, it's an unconscious thing that I'm saying. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that when you wear something that is flattering, I don't mean that it makes you look skinny. I'm saying it looks, whether you are a size two or a size 22, there's certain things that are going to look good on you and certain things that aren't going to look good on you. I am very slim. It, just because I'm slim doesn't mean I can wear everything. There's things that are going to look terrible on me and mm. they're not going to be flattering. And so when it comes to our body image, I think if you are personally happy with how your body looks, more power to you. However, you're right. If you, the example of if I had a magic wand and within a heartbeat, I could look a different way. And you think that, yes, I would like to, get, to look a different way. You can't profess to be super body positive because you clearly are not happy with something in your body if you would rather look like this. And I think that that's the case with many people who accuse me of being fat phobic is that if they had 
uh, a magic wand, they may say, I assume that they would say, well, I'd like this to be different or that to be different. Even if it's not their body, something in their life would be different. I don't believe anyone is 100% confident about everything they are, every facet of their personality, every facet of their body. However, what I do think we have is tools to use that make us feel a little bit more comfortable with with who we are and what we have. Everyone has something that they are not happy about with their body. I'm positive that's true, even though I'm told by many people that's not. Um, I I know personally, and everybody I know in, uh, very closely will say, yes, I, there is a body part that I'm not happy with. There is something about my body that I'm not happy with. I think that it's perfectly acceptable to accept that and find ways to highlight the other parts of your body that you are really happy with. So I don't think it's a case of, making uh working out constantly to make sure your body's perfect i think work with the body that you have but it doesn't mean you can't highlight it the way you want to highlight it and mask some of those parts that you're not super confident about and i don't think there's any shame in saying there's certain parts of my body that i don't love and i know that it would be a a lot more a, a lot easier if we had representation of all body shapes on tv It would be a little easier to accept um uh, every body shape however even at that point i think that because we show the the gamut of what bodies can be you are always going to find that you gravitate towards something that might not be your own and i'm and i talk about this when i talk about relationships too when i date i'm not looking for myself i'm not looking for somebody that looks like me i'm looking for somebody who i find attractive first and foremost that might have things that i don't have that i also find attractive and that i find desirable um and so i think the the notion of positive body positivity is incredibly nuanced and it's not as easy as if you try and hide a part of your body with your clothing, does that mean that you are fat? But does that mean that you hate yourself? No, it doesn't. It, you can still love yourself and love many parts of your body without loving every part of your body or every facet of yourself. Or just using your body. It, it seems to me, and I am not a fashion expert. It's like, if your body is like smoke, colored smoke, fashion seems to be the the fans, ha, the tan fans that we <laughs> point at it. Yeah. to give the smoke the shape the the look and the and the story that we want without yeah. the story doesn't have to be i'm a piece of shit i don't like the way i look that's why i wear this giant jacket to cover that's that's not what we're talking about at yeah. all you know it's interesting i wonder if people as you were talking have a psychological tie to it because when we were children we were told by people not as articulate and as sensitive and as thoughtful as you just were and are you know, I'm thinking of my mother. I'm thinking of my mother putting on a jacket and telling a husky boy, this is slimming or, and, and it did mean, and, and by the way, my mom didn't even really do that, but, it, but the feeling is true. The story feels right. There's something loaded about what you're doing. There is something paternal and, and maternal or just maybe uh, parental about yeah. what you're doing. And I think that, I'm, first of all, I was surprised to hear that you catch um, hate, but then I was like, of course, it's a loaded thing. Mm-hmm. When I hear you talk, I'm like, this guy's helping me be more like Nick Kroll. You dress Nick Kroll. Yeah. Whenever I look at Nick Kroll, I'm like, how do I be more like Nick Kroll? <laughs> and, and I'm like, this is a loving thing. Yeah. But I wonder, have, do you? Does that resonate with you? The idea that this is a loaded experience you're bringing. Absolutely, I think that people are so sensitive about it because they've heard it on the school grounds, they've heard it in their homes, and maybe. 
20 years ago, it was more common to hear fat phobic comments or weight phobic comments or size phobic comments. Um, I think it's less and less acceptable, but it's only been within the last couple of years, really, uh, where people have said this isn't okay, that enough is enough. Um, And so I, I think that people have suffered with this for so long, feeling like they're going to be attacked for the way that they look. And so they're bracing themselves, they're guarded. And when they hit even a whiff of something that might feel like it broaches on their body, it, they, they're not willing to hear it. Even though, as far as I'm concerned, it comes, it comes down to intent. Like what is the person who's offering you this advice? Are they trying to hurt you? Or are they trying to offer you advice that would make you feel the best way you could possibly feel? Right. That's really interesting. I, I was the, as a comedian, I never did snaps, but I'm familiar with comedians breaking balls and, 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 um, you know, yeah. uh, I don't, I'm trying to think of other terms for that. Why we know what I'm talking about. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> the first I'm like, how can I make Tan understand? He's from the UK. <laughs> um, winding people up. I don't know. Um, comedians are the people I usually associate myself with. We're good. Okay, great. I love it. And I want to talk. I, I'm not just going to talk to you about fashion. I promise you. I want, to, I want to hear about your love of comedy and everything that's weird and wonderful about you. But when comedians make fun of each other or even just friends, yeah. isn't the first thing we go to like, where's the flood or yeah. nice shirt? Does it come in your size? Like, yeah, yeah, these yeah. are the things that we sort They're like the low hanging fruit. Yeah. If someone's wearing a, a giant hat, I mean, like, if you're an insult, if you're Don Rickles and there's a man in a purple hat, yeah. <laughs> you just can't wait to call him up. Yeah, yeah the joke's want. already laid out for you, yeah. And that's how the human brain works. And this is one of the dangers. We all know that we're, we have different words for it. We all know that we're our insides, yeah. right? But the way that the human animal is designed, and I want to get into all of your work with colorism and racism and all of this stuff, but the, you know better than anybody that the way the human animal works is we generalize yeah. and the way that what we have to work with often a big part of it is clothing. Yeah. If, if I, I'm a standup, you know, standups, if you were in the crowd and I was that kind of comedian and you had no sleeves, I'd light up. I'd be like, everyone's going to know what I'm talking about. If I start talking to him, I'm going to say something about sun's out, guns out or yeah. whatever. Like it's yeah. gonna even sun's out, guns out. I mean, yeah. like, that is a slogan designed yeah. to help people who are feeling good about their arms break the tension. Yeah. Why, Tan? <laughs> Why is there tension? Because somebody was feeling okay about their arms, but there yeah. is. And that is what I want to circle back to. Forget you and I can never wrangle the swarm of wasps and bees and hummingbirds and butterflies. Yeah. That is the internet and the American and the global public. But for me, I'm telling you that I respond to what you do, which is a green lighting of like, don't you think you deserve whatever this means to you to feel as good as you can feel? So when you're dressing somebody or cutting their hair or redoing their home, isn't it as above, so below, as in your house, so in your inside? And can't, if one is lagging, if you could speak to this, can't faking it on the outside a little bit, cleaning up your desk, make you a little bit happier at work? Absolutely. Uh, there's uh, uh, there's so many things that we can use and there's so many things that we use in uh, that we have in our arsenal that we 
that we adopt to make sure that we're feeling the best way we can. Yes, they're masking a situation, but if it makes you feel better when you look in the mirror, so be it. If it makes people respond to you in a different way when they see you, so be it. And so I think there's no shame in that game to be able to use whatever you can to do to do yourself every favor and do other people every favor so they don't have an option an opportunity to rip you apart right be nice to yourself what are you going to be mean yeah i mean this is hard this is hard especially growing up it's hard if you're telling me i remember the first time somebody told me i had a nice smile i remember where i was and then i was just like Oh my God. And it changed my life. It was at summer camp. And, and if, if somebody told me that a blue shirt brought out my eyes, I was like, I'd put on a blue shirt on those days, not when I was feeling great, but maybe the days when I wasn't feeling great. Absolutely. To help. And uh, I encourage this on the show a lot. And I encourage people in my real life um, to use clothes as a way to pick yourself up. I do it myself every day. When I get ready in the morning, if I'm not feeling great, I will put something on that makes me feel happier that I think, okay, I know I look decent in this. I know that I've had compliments on this. I know that it's flattering on myself and I'm not talking about, but it makes me look skinny. It just does for me what I want it to do. It tells do. a good story. It tells a story. Your body's telling a story and we yeah. take it in and I go, Tan, I like this. It makes yeah. me feel good. Isn't that yeah. weird? Yeah. What you look like makes me feel good. Yeah. No, I <laughs> and I, I, I've said this before, but you, what you wear, the way it makes other people feel is a sign of respect, uh, especially when it comes to your partner. Your partner may look at you and think, this person's made no effort. They don't care about me. They don't care about the way I view them. Whereas when you make an effort for your partner or the person that you're dating or the friend that you're going to hang out with, it shows them that you actually cared about them to put your best foot forward. And isn't that... Uh, we don't believe it or not. I actually don't bring up the quarantine that often, but I've seen so many people during these quarantine episodes. I've seen so many people be like, if you're feeling blue and Val and I did this, we had an at home date and I put on a suit and she put on her dress and it, it was Cinderella. It meaning it was trans, it transported us. We felt like these are the words I would use. We felt like grownups. Yeah. I felt desirable. I also wonder, it's funny, dress up clothes are also harder to take off. (laughs) Meaning like you don't want people wearing sweatpants to the office because they just slide down your smooth butt. (laughs) Like you want a a clanky belt and like, and a double buttoned slack. And and then, and then you have a jacket and then you have a shirt. Now you have an undershirt. It's because we're sort of animals and we like having sex with each other. So it's like in an office (laughs) environment, Basically, wear a chastity belt that goes <laughs> um, no no topless and just no underwear sweatpants. That's going to lead to We're make it as difficult as possible to enjoy ourselves. That's exactly right. That's what a suit can be. Yeah. But on at this date, I was like, "Wow, you, you know, your posture sort of improves. Yeah. You, you catch yourself eating with a knife and fork. The yeah. things that you just aren't doing during quarantine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, those things matter. Like it, it really does." lift your spirits and it makes you feel less like the world's ending like it really that's right. I think if you get if you're at the point where you're at home and you're moping around every day you're wearing dirty clothes you haven't changed them in three days you're eating um you're eating ramen out of the little 
popping every day. Yeah. It just, you don't feel like yourself. There's so much that's going on right now that's so negative. Um, it just, it does you a disservice if you don't make a little bit of an effort each day to feel like your old self. Well, that's why. Like that happier self. That's, you know, I remember, I this is going to seem forced, but I promise it's not. I, I hosted a talk show briefly um, after Conan, and I said to him something about, like, what if um, I really want to smoke a cigar or, or, or I never did any of these things, but what if I want to have a drink before I go out, expecting him to be like, don't do that, that's unprofessional. And I don't think he does any of that, but he goes, whatever gets you through the night. That was a man with an understanding. Yeah late night like life this is a grind yeah if there's any, we can just end the podcast here be kind i don't want to but be kind <laughs> and give yourself whatever gets you through the day yeah. like but why are we judging anything that helps anything that helps yeah i think that people see it as superficial i think that people see it as uh, a waste and uh, with everything that's going on why would you care about what you look like because it affects you because yeah. because it's one thing you get to control right now. There's very little we get to control right now. Isn't that it? And you're talking about eating the ramen out of the hot pot or whatever. I'm thinking back to Victorian fashion, which if you go to a good Victorian museum, they're going to tell you that the Victorians had an obsession with separating themselves from the, from the animal kingdom, basically. And as much love and respect I give our animal brothers and sisters on this planet, there is sort of a desire to be like, because their world is a little chaotic. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, it, it's kill or be killed. It's pooping in your hand. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's you know, it's messy. It's, and it can be pretty gross. Yeah. I mean, I've been to the zoo. It, it, it's, it's rough. <laughs> <laughs> so they put big frilly things on their necks just to be like, I've never seen a baboon do this. Yeah, But so with us, like when I put that suit on, I feel a little bit more like a human being. Like I feel a greater separation yeah. because we also know, go to any like, you know, sporting event at a crunch time to, if you want to see our, our, our baboons cheering and, uh -huh. and screaming, we know that's in us. Yeah. And it's nice to sort of go like, but you know what? We also invented tiny little oyster yeah, forks, yeah. <laughs> and chilled butter knives. That, that's what Val and I are missing. We're not very Hollywood, but we sort of are craving those Hollywood. Like if you go to the Netflix party, the you finesse. go to the, yeah. the, the finesse. Like I, I never really, I, I always was like, I'm not really that guy. But now I'm like, the thought of just seeing a red carpet where everyone's <laughs> beautiful and, and eating yeah. something that's a puff pastry wrapped around a fig. And I'm just like, wow, we yeah. have got out of the forest. We got out of the jungle. Yeah. This is incredible. Yeah. I think there's no shame in, in doing things that are a little frou-frou every now and then. Yes. I'm not very Hollywood either. I don't go to many parties at all. Um, and I, I was ra raised in a very working class home. I still don't splurge greatly. Um, and so every now and then the things that make me feel refined and sophisticated and like an adult, like, I'm, like I've achieved something in life is those little things that make me happy. But Dan, isn't that you using it instead of it using you? Yeah. I think I, when we say being Hollywood, we're like, I got to go to this party. Yeah. People expect Tan to be there. I hope your husband is like Val. It's like, 
what are you talking about? Yeah, my husband couldn't tell her. My husband <laughs> comes to events with me uh, and because, I, well, I, I go to very few. I go to a few around the Emmys and that's pretty much it. We're yeah. just not those people. I watch the, the fluff and the frill and it's just... It's just not not for us. When Kumail and Emily had to do it for the big sick, I I, I mean everybody enjoys it to a certain extent, but when you have to do it to to campaign for awards, yeah. it, it really you want to. I, I yeah. saw something in Emily's eyes I haven't seen, and I knew her yeah. when she was uh, first sick and stuff. I saw something that looked worse, like yeah. she was so drained. Not worse, not Emily. Worse. If you hear this, obviously yeah. it wasn't worse. I'm We're making a, a joke. I love you. Through. He's not a complete douche. <laughs> That's right. I'm not a douche. I'm not a fuck boy, <laughs> as you learned from Hassan yeah. Minaj. <laughs> yeah. uh, honestly, it, it, it's really difficult. Like those events are hard, but some people love it. Like some people love being in the spotlight when they're not on camera. They need it all the time. Mm. Uh, it's just not for me, which is why I choose to live in the city I live in. Yeah, there's, there's no. Fancy. You live in Salt Lake, right? I do. Yeah. I first of all, don't I look like I should be in Utah? You definitely, uh, Colorado, Utah, Idaho. Yes. yes. They let me. In, they let me in the temple when I go. I mean, they just oh. let me right in. I've seen the dragon. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful dragon. Uh, I know your your husband is a Latter Day Saint. I, I'm not even he's teasing. Not, actually, no, no, he's not. He's a former Latter Day Saint. Oh, he's a he's a Jack Mormon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So many. He's in such so good company. Oh my God, and so many beautiful people are. I, I Jack Mormon sounds so derogatory. It's just the term for somebody who's no longer a Mormon, yeah. but of course was a Mormon. Well, I love Jack Mormon. I, I, I'm the majority of my uh, family now, my in-laws are still Mormon. And I, I love Utah. The people are so lovely. They're so kind. Mm. Um, my experience has been beautiful here. I love it so much. And, and it's nice that your, your only activities are going to hike up a mountain and yeah. going... Uh, floating on the river, it's not a red carpet, which is really nice. Yeah, I love that so much. I completely unironically love Utah and love playing Utah because I grew up religious. And this is why I love Jack Mormons is there's a certain, it's like people who grow up around livestock. They know how to use their bodies a little bit more (laughs) calmly, a little bit more deliberately. And people that grew up religious have a respect for other people that grew up religious yeah. and, and an understanding of people who are religious. So it's yeah. a great market for me. Yeah. I, I, you don't, you don't like put down the religious, but you can speak in the specific kind of secret language yeah. to the formerly religious. Yeah. So I, I really love And you're it. in a position to make jokes so you understand it and you know where the line is. Yeah. You know, it's one of my, I, you just helped me realize it's like one of my, as a, as a straight white, this, as a straight white, this, <laughs> it's one of my few, it's not a minority. It's one of the few like sort of outlying things about me. Oh, yeah. formerly very yeah. religious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you, we'll get to that. I really want to talk about the meaning and 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 all of that good stuff. Um, a very low press chat in case that makes you nervous. <laughs> Let me take... Comfortable anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? That's a good place to go then. Where did you learn, not fashion, I know that you studied fashion. Yeah. I know that you were born like a, a painter or a musician with an ear and an eye for, for fashion. But where did you learn, compliment alert, this sort of your effortless on camera charm, your ability to like find where the camera is, your ability to give and take with the other guys, your ability to know. What I'm saying is, 
tell me about the learning curve and your process of becoming an on-camera talent. I couldn't be more interested. Um, you know, I think... <laughs> it's hard to answer because by answering, you're agreeing that I'm like, you're the best in the world. And no, like, how, okay, okay, I will say this. I, I don't suffer from faux modesty. I will say I actually do think I do a good job on camera. And good. it took me... It's taken a long time to get to the point where I'm happy with how I do on camera. And mm. I can watch the show now and not cringe, thinking, no, I'm, I'm glad I did it that way. I'm glad I responded that way to this comment that was made. I'm glad I asked that question. Um, I, I, I didn't come from entertainment whatsoever, Queer Eye. Episode one was the first time I'd ever been on a set for anything. Wow. Um, and... I think the the luxury I had was not not training before then. I didn't ever, I was never on TV in any of the situation. I was never on stage. I never took an acting class. And so all I knew how to do was be myself. I come from a very large family. I'm the youngest of uh, my, my siblings. Um, and in my very large extended family, we're all very loud. South Asians are known for being very, very loud people. We're all incredibly opinionated. We are all very entertaining within our own homes. And so, and my, my husband has found this since uh, meeting South Asians for the first time. He was like, everyone of your South Asian family members and friends is an entertainer. You, are, you all understand that when you are socializing, you better host. Like you uh. better be there to entertain. Mm. Um, it's your obligation. And so I think that that was just completely natural to me when I stepped on set was to take care of everyone to make sure that it is hosting, everyone, isn't it? It's, it is it's like having a dinner party or, or, or just yeah. being aware the camera is the guest. Those yeah, the exactly. Watching. And I've been hosting, not in TV, but hosting in my own home. I cook for at least 10 people very, very, very regularly mm. in my own home here. And so I've had people over for dinner for, since I was 17, I've done weekly dinner parties, bi-weekly dinner parties so regularly where I know how to say what I want to say in as few words as possible so that everybody else gets to speak. I know how to interact with people and I know how to entertain because it's my job as the host. Like you better keep the party going. And so I think that was the only training I needed. Yeah. <laughs> you are fun. That is fun. Those things you buried in there. Those I think most people think hosting means putting out a pizza or making sure everybody's fed or yeah. that there's some sort of Pandora. That's all the fluff crap. Like you can order pizza <laughs> in you can serve on paper plates. Like, don't get me wrong, that's not how I entertain, but you can do all those things. The only thing you really are expected to do if you're inviting people over is put on a show. Wow. And and that's what we do on Queer Eye. And so working with my other castmate, castmates who I'd never met before, it wasn't that difficult to know, okay, now, Tan, you shut up. And now at this point, you respond to this. Mm. Um, it came very, very naturally. The only part that didn't come naturally is all the other people that are in the room watching you do those things. And that was really hard. And I didn't think I'd ever feel comfortable. Within those first few weeks, the amount of times I wanted to quit and tried to quit was insane. Like, I I don't think that this is very normal for people because they probably worked very hard for many years doing auditions here, auditions there, and then they'll do whatever it takes to keep the job. I didn't want to keep the job. I wanted to do everything I could to be let go. Um, (gasps) Tell me why, why? Because it... So I come from a, a, a quite a, we would never strict, the funny thing is when I say this, 
is that for most people, they're going to think we're a strict, strict family. As far as we were concerned in our community, we were not a strict Muslim family. However, compared to most Caucasian people, we were very, very, very strict. And so I will say we came from a not so strict family. However, we didn't take photos. Photos weren't a thing in our family. It's not really a Muslim thing to do. And so I went my whole life knowing that we don't really take photos. It's immodest to pose for photos. And so you get to the point where you're in your 20s and you're starting to really loosen up your religious expectations. But I still wasn't very comfortable in front of a camera. And so then to turn up on set and there's a team of 30 people there and then there's three cameras and there's all these sound people and these producers watching, like that's some scary, scary, scary shit. And people reminding you, millions of people are going to watch that. This is going to be a big show. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. That's the last thing I need to hear right now. And so it just was an incredibly intimidating situation to be in. Um, But after the first three weeks, I had a conversation with uh, one of the producers of the show. And uh, I said, I, I, I don't think I'm doing very well. I don't know how to be like the other boys. They're very American. And I know Anthony's Canadian, but they're very, they know how to be loud. They know how to get very excited about nothing. Like when at the end of the dossier read in the car, everyone's like, yeah, woo! I'm like, that's so not British. Like we're like, okay, great. Let's do it. Uh, that's it but <laughs> American, that was my biggest concern I don't know how to be American and turn it on like these guys do and thankfully the uh, producer said the reason why we hired you was because you are nothing like the rest you're a little more cynical you say exactly what you mean and you don't turn it on for the camera exactly as you are in real life is, is how you are on camera and you don't know how to be something else don't change just be yourself. I was like, okay, you've given me all I need to be able to continue on. There is no split between Tam France on camera and Tam France off camera. There's just one version. And that also goes in my physical appearance. I, so as you see me now is the, the makeup I do for TV. I put some there, literally just there because that part of my eye gets really dark and red. And that's literally all the makeup I do. I do not wear makeup. I do not like makeup. And so I want, when people see me to be like to be like he looks exactly like the guy i see on tv he behaves exactly like the guy i see on tv i can trust him and i'm gonna carve some sort of award for you because i love that <laughs> so much i i really mean it i'm just like so touched as someone who struggles with not only the reason I laughed in the middle of the story at sort of a weird time was you're like, you don't like taking photos. And I'm like, there's going to be an uh, EPK people taking photos. There's going to be a, a, a set photographer taking yeah. photos. Yeah. The thing, believe it or not, that really kills me or, or at times had killed me about doing TV was like, I can't believe I didn't know this about myself. I start to feel really weird having so many photos taken of you. Yeah. Which, by the way, I've never even seen these photos. Where are these photos? No one's seen... If I haven't seen them, I don't think anyone's seen them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, there's no, like, grounded core to it. And then even the makeup thing. I'm like, if you don't like makeup, having someone put on a a geisha face in the morning is going to make you compromise your essence. Yeah, exactly. But what I hear is a man knowing himself... And having that confidence to be like, I'm going to stand up for myself, Mm -hmm. even to the point where you were willing 
the least American thing in the world to walk away from yeah. a, a high paying or, or at least paying. I, I don't mean to yeah. count other people's yeah. money. Yeah. I'm just saying a lucrative, yeah. non-ditch digging, showbiz yeah. dream job that yeah. by other people's account yeah. that you were not enjoying. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Can we talk a little bit about how you don't like makeup? Cause when I watch that show, I'm like, no one's getting any tips on how to just like take care of your skin naturally. It's always, and I'm not putting down Jonathan. I, I know it's about products and, and, and that's can be very useful. And, and I had an awakening when I first sort of started taking care of myself. I was like, I'm going to go to L'Occitane. I'm going to buy a skin cream. And then I'm looking at the ingredients. Living Libations is one of the sponsors of the show. And I'm looking at the ingredients. And I'm like, what the fuck is this stuff? Yeah. It, it, and I'm sorry, L'Occitane, shots fired. <laughs> I just was like, even if it doesn't happen on the show, because it's not the Tan France show, yeah. but is there is that more your approach? Take care of yourself from the inside? Not clear. Yes, it has been for so many years. My mom um, used to make sure that we had moisturizer on our faces all the time from the from a very, very, very early age. And she said, protect your skin now. And it's very common in South Asian culture. We always talk about protecting your skin, protecting your skin. Um, do all you can and then you don't need to slap on the slap. Um, And so when I hit 16, 17, 17, I moved out of home uh, and I got my own place. I continued on. It was, I always, uh, this is horrible to say, but I used to look at my uncles thinking, I do not want to look like you when I get to 40. (laughs) Like that is my idea of uh, a nightmare just because, and I'm just going to say it as it is, and I've said it to them uh, where, as I said, I say what I want to say. They really let themselves go. They just look so (laughs) haggard. Like they have been fucked by life so hard. But I think that wasn't like that. It doesn't just happen to, because our people uh, have a certain kind of skin tone, we have a certain kind of lifestyle. I just thought, no, no, just because we are South Asian doesn't mean that has to be the result. Like, I know that there's a way out of that because the women look great. They, these men just aren't taking care of themselves. So right, I right. really take care of my skin. I drink so much water. I don't drink soda. I drink half a cup of coffee in the morning. I really take care of my insides to make sure it shows on the outside. If I get a blemish, I know where it came from. I had too much sugar that day. And then my blemish came two days later. Right. And so I do all I can to make sure that my skin is taken care of from the inside. And then as far as the, as the outside goes, I don't put a lot of chemicals on my face. I use very, I use a homemade face mask that I use twice a week and then all I do is basically a couple of products and I'm good to go and I've done that for years and years and as I said for Queer Eye when I, we first started TV, um, we uh, they, they, we were introduced to the makeup artist for the show and the hair person for the show. And I said, uh, it's lovely to meet you. Please don't be offended. And I know that it's your job, but I'm not letting anyone touch my face and no one will touch my hair. And Jonathan's like, you're such a fucking nightmare. Like, <laughs> you're, so, you're so ridiculous that you won't let someone touch your hair. Like, you're that confident that you've got it. I was like, yeah. I'm really good with the way I look. I don't want somebody messing with my skin. I don't want them yeah. putting products on my skin that might affect my skin. I don't want someone thinking they can lighten my skin with a lighter shade of concealer. Like, and my skin is fine. I take care of my skin. Even if somebody thinks, he looks a little patchy, that's how I look in real life. At least you're not going to be surprised when you see me. And it made me think of every time I've met a celebrity before Queer Eye. If I, when I lived in London, there were a lot of uh, celebrities in the wild. You'd see them thinking, woo, 
you look so not like <laughs> I know from TV. And I thought, I never want someone to think that. I want them to see me thinking, yeah, he looks exactly the fucking same. Like, in real life as he does under all those lights on TV. See, this is what I think. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to generalize. This is what I'm drawn to about you, is you have so much authenticity. And that's why it spills out of you into your fashion. You're like, I have I have to express myself and I have to share as I truly am. And, and, and what I look like is this, whatever uh, interesting piece you might be wearing or stylish piece you yeah. might be wearing. So it's the, organic. Yeah. The, the, the clothing thing is hard. I'm not going to lie. It's the only thing I've struggled with, which is strange because it's my job. I, uh, if I, I, because I am the fashion guy or the star guy on a very popular show, people expect we to dress a certain way. Everybody has an expectation of what they think Tan France should look like, whether it is the fashion industry or the average Joe. The average <laughs> Joe would expect me to wear a nice, simple thing. Whereas the fashion industry, who are a lot more vocal, will say, why the fuck is Tan France in a black tux on the red carpet? Every basic bitch is on a, in a black tux on the red carpet. Why wouldn't he do something more interesting? And so it puts on this level of, pressure that I've never experienced. Before. Yes. Um, and so I have to always one up myself every year. Like, I knew what I was going to wear. And obviously the Emmys aren't happening this year in person, but I knew what I was going to wear to these Emmys last year, a week after I finished, after the Emmys were done last year, I'd already designed my outfit for this year to make sure I one up myself because there's that much pressure. I can't just turn up in something plain because people will criticize saying that's a fashion guy. Why is he in a pair of jeans and a t-shirt when sometimes that's all I want to wear. And before Queer Eye, I, my, I loved what I wore, but it was a lot more classic. It was yeah. perfectly appropriate for everyday living. However, when you're in the public eye, it's not just everyday living. You have to step it up. Isn't that wild? By the way, I went to the Stuber premiere with Kumail. I'm not expecting or even asking you to do this. There's a photo of me, Kumail, my wife, Val, and Emily. And I was not expecting to walk the carpet. This sounds like, who gives a shit what it sounds like? I'm telling you the (laughs) truth. I'm trying to get some of your authenticity. I just wore a theory button up that was gray that I really think is one of my finest shirts. I'm like, yeah. this is me dressing up. I'm not yeah. really a dressy guy. It's not my movie. I'm not in this movie. I'm not going to walk the carpet. But then Camille and Emily, obviously, as I mentioned, are dear friends of ours. So we wanted to take one photo. They, they okay. called us over, took a photo. And I didn't even have to try. I saw, like, it came to me so many things of like, look at this schlub wearing like a untucked, kind of wrinkly but tan i'm like you i'm like this is what i wear it's it it looks like an effort i'm here for my friend it might be a little crinkly because i just sat and watched a movie and oh yeah that and in the car when people comment on something being creased i'm like i don't think they walked there they had to get there in a car i think (laughs) (laughs) la's (laughs) rough that you're sat in traffic a long time yeah it's I I couldn't even begin to relate because when you were talking about your dinner parties, yeah, of course, like everyone listening, they're like, "Oh, how do I get invited to a tan dinner party?" <laughs> and then I'm like, "Oh no, what would I wear?" And I know that is not your message. You do not want people to be anxious. Actually, I have something very specific that I ask them to do when they come to my house. But please tell me they don't have to if they don't want to. I ask them to wear sweats or pajamas. 
I want them to treat it as if it's home. I want them to sit on my sofa comfortably. I don't want them to feel the pressure that they have to dress up. I am going to go ahead and polish the award that I just coached <laughs> because you're just, I, I'm just blown away. I do want, this sounds like I'm making fun of Anthony. I'm, I'm using Anthony as an example. I like remember one quick correction, Anthony, Anthony. Oh no, I won't be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> There's no H in his name. <laughs> okay. Then you're Tanweer. Okay. I'm Anthony. Uh, Anthony, forgive me. Christian Bale, mini Christian Bale. Yeah. <laughs> he is. He looks like Christian. He looks so much like Christian Bale. I just remember the the shit that he got for putting sour cream and guacamole. Yeah. When you're in these worlds, the the I can't imagine what it would be like for him to go to a restaurant. But you, you're always wearing clothes. Everywhere you go, people must be telling you they have an opinion or. or Asking what they're, who gives a shit? You don't give a shit what they're wearing. Why? You never did. No. But <laughs> everybody who interviews me in particular, the first thing that they will say ordinarily is, I was really nervous. I didn't know what to wear. This is when we do like a press junket. Yeah. Um, or like TV. Like we didn't know what to wear. We knew we were meeting you today. And every time I say, I truly would not notice what you're wearing. And that is my honest opinion. I would not notice. I'm so cons- so concerned with what I'm wearing and that people rip it apart. Either way, whether they love it or hate it, I'm going to get comments. I'm more concerned about what people are going to say about my ex- my outfit because they expect me to dress a certain way. Mm. And so I'm not concerned about how they, they dress. I'm never looking at what somebody wears. And that's why when I, I invite people over, I want to take the pressure off because I know that people feel this way. Oh, I've got to look a certain way. And I understand that at this point, my earning my earnings are a lot different to most people. And so I don't want them to think, oh, I've got to buy something from Gucci. I don't care. I will wear sweats. I will wear simple sweats and a white t-shirt so you can wear whatever you want and feel empowered to be comfortable. I I love everything about this. I would wear my adult onesie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I want, well, I wonder if you get this a lot and if you do, we're going to skip it. Do people point out that Queer Eye can, and you do not represent the show. I'm just wondering your feelings on it. Queer Eye is sort of like a, here comes money to fix a lot of problems. Like it's not necessarily that you don't have taste. I'm looking at some of these houses. I I just watched the engagement episode, which was so touching and and you guys did a great job. And what a memory for life. Which one? Oh my God. Which one? Season two, episode two. It's called. Wow. You're on season two. Okay, great. No, we're jumping around. I've I've seen it all mostly, but we were like, what are some great tan episodes? Oh yeah. I love, I do love the, that episode is he's a sweet guy too. But then, you know, this is not a judgment. I believe the, the term is he's living in a trailer and then you guys make it a very beautiful, I'm not sure if it was a trailer. Forgive me if I got that wrong, but it was like, it's like like one of those, um, those uh, homes that come, you built that you it comes from a place and you plop it down but i know right, what you mean right yeah, yeah. and then home is what they're called sorry yeah pre-fabricated. so let, let's start by the way that's where val and i are renting in one of those right now so that's that's why it looks like i'm in a trailer because i am <laughs> a trailer. um i'm wondering so first question without even getting to that question is that something you guys get a lot or you personally get a lot like hey yeah if, if i had ten thousand dollars to spend on my wardrobe i've literally never had it Um, because uh, I only stopped reading my DMs about a year ago. So there was a year where a year and a half ish when I was reading DMs and I never had that because I think 
I make it very, very clear that the clothes I'm buying are never expensive. We usually get the majority of the clothes from like Target or Bonobo. Nothing's ever, I never put, well, seldom put designer clothing in a hero's closet unless it's somebody like Dr. Yi who was in season five because she, her uh, income bracket is a lot greater than most. And so most of them, we don't give them uh, a wardrobe that's excessive. But also, I make it very clear, the wardrobe really isn't the thing. I do care about the wardrobe. I absolutely care about the wardrobe, but it's not the thing. The thing is, I'm using this to show you what you're doing to yourself when you treat yourself badly when you look in the mirror. So this is a vehicle to make you feel better. It could have come from Target. It could have come from Walmart. It could have come from uh, uh, Amazon, or it could have come from Gucci. It doesn't matter. It, it, the, the closet's not the thing. The thing is, how am I communicating with you so you know that it's not really about this? And I think that the a perfect example of that is in season five, we went to a vintage store or a thrift store, sorry. Um, the, the wardrobe, all in all, I think cost $1,000, which for a full new wardrobe is incredible. It, it really does articulate the fact that it's not, it's not about the money. It's not about the expense. It's not about the new things. It's about what that does for you as a person. The potential. You're introducing them to potential. Yeah. Maybe, and I think it's because we have a lot of home makeover shows that this doesn't really get talked about because it's just part of our cultural vocabulary now. But I look at a headboard. You, they, you gave them sort of a headboard a little bit like the one you have now. And I'm like, that's that's a that's a pricey headboard. I remember the first time I bought a good bed frame. I had a bit about it. I was like, it's, it was a thousand dollars, and I was like, it would have been more impressive to frame a thousand dollars over my headboard. So it's more with the home because I, I'm with you. I, I do take note that I'm like, oh, that 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 is. I'm not just saying this. I noticed on that episode, you guys went to Bonobos, and I know that they're not yeah. like a pricey brand. Yeah, the majority the majority of our filler um, for the show is Target and H and M, and it's so it's so excessively priced. Hmm. I didn't know that. I'm, this is why you didn't get it. I said, let's go a little bit into your past and talk a little bit about where you learned this authenticity that I'm enjoying so much. You had to; it had to have been modeled for you. Um, I, I would like to believe it's from my family. Um, again, when you have a family who's South Asian, uh, do, other than Kamel, do you know, do you know his family? Have you ever met his family? I've met his uh, parents briefly. Okay. Um, and I, yes, I wouldn't say I, I have a deep understanding. Okay. I have a few. Uh, Our, and I, I, it's not just a South Asian thing. It's a, it's a person of color thing. I think authenticity has, is paramount in our families and in our culture. Um, we are very honest some, sometimes to a fault. And so you are, you grow up knowing if you have something to say, say it. Otherwise, we're not going to deal with that issue. We're not skirting around anything. But I'm also British and we have that very much so in the UK also. There's this common misconception that the British are really passive. Maybe in the 1700s, but that's not a thing that I've ever experienced where I'm from. Um, and, and my husband was incredibly shocked when he first met the Brits that we know. Um, and we are very honest about how we're feeling. Uh, with my best friend in particular, she came to visit and I walked out uh, uh, after getting dressed in something. She was like, well, you're not wearing that. And it meant just change it. I was like, yeah, you're right. I should change it. And then 
the next time I saw her, she dyed her hair and I was like, it looks like somebody shot on your head. Why would you choose that color? Let's go get it fixed. But then not, it's not meant to be mean. It's just, I love you. I want the best for you. Why would you do that to yourself? Like, let's go correct that real quick. And so we have that on both sides, where, uh, my South Asian side and my British side. It just encouraged a certain honesty that I struggled to let go. And quite honestly, I don't want to let go. And it's something that caused a lot of issues in my mar- in my relationship within the first year or two. My husband is from Wyoming. He's from a very Mormon family. They're very, very passive. They skirt around every subject. Like I don't even, I've never known them to tackle a, a topic head on. Like even dinner, Shall we have dinner? It's a, we should set the table. Oh, it's getting to seven o'clock. Oh, is there something in the oven? Like that's how much they skirt around a subject. <laughs> and so it, having that as my, uh, that as my dating experience in America, when I first came over, it was quite a shock for him for me to just say, don't do that again. That's never going to happen again in my presence. And it doesn't. And we, that's how we now live. If we don't like something, uh, that's one of us is don't say please don't do that again that's hurtful it never happens again it's it's created a beautiful relationship and on queer eye i'm always the go-to if there's an awkward conversation something needs to be mentioned we've found out something that's really unique or kooky about a person and it's hard to tell them let's say for example it's a smell it's your deodorant problem or they have had relationship problems because they're the problem but nobody's willing to say it I'm always the person that the producer's like, Tan, there's this really awkward thing. Will you find a way to say it? I'm like, yeah, no problem. I can say it in a heartbeat. I'll just say, hey, there's a smell. It's coming from you. Let's fix it. (laughs) It does know. It does know. Well, you receive it as love. See, I have a mother like that. I remember the first time I bought a watch. I got it at the mall and it it was silver and it had two... uh, like strains of like fake kind of gold color going through it. And I, you know, it's sort of a weird watch for a eight, 17 year old. And my mom didn't mean it to be mean. She just goes, that looks gaudy. She just said it. And I, and so when I, I wonder if this is what you like about comedians. I sometimes Val sometimes will catch me writing an email and I'll have her read it first because it'll just be very like, this is what it is. And this is what I'm looking for. And, yeah. and because when people, I mean, like, you know, Nick, Nick Kroll is one of these people. Kumail can be very blunt in, in a wonderful way. Mm-hmm. Certainly Chelsea Peretti. I took this like wonderful comfort in being with these people that I'm like, if there is, as you said, a smell coming from me, they will tell me. You'll know about it. Mm-hmm. I wanted. And it's to not know. meant to be hurtful. I want everyone to just know even people can say things about me truly they can if somebody had something they wanted to say i would take it very well i take criticism very 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 well if i know the intention isn't to be hurtful it's just a case of hey tan i don't like the way you do that please don't do that again yeah um and it's a comfort yeah it, it really does create an environment where you feel like there's nothing to hide. There's no reason to hide anything. I know this person cares enough for me to tell me if there's something wrong. And that I do think it's a sign of love. It is. I've told this story a million, but I can tell it so quick. I got a Palm Trio. Remember those phones, the Trio phones? No. They, they had a keyboard. It was exciting because it was the first phone that had like internet. Okay. And I was so proud of my Palm Trio that I wanted to get a good case for it. And I bought a case on Amazon and it came with a belt clip. And I was like, 
that makes sense. You know, it's kind of clunky in my pocket. <laughs> Go on. I'm going to put it, this now larger phone, yeah. on my belt clip. And I went down to the lobby. I was on tour with a, a bunch of comedians. One of them was Christian Finnegan. And he's a real truth teller. And I came down, very funny guy. And he looked at me. He didn't say it with disdain or disgust, maybe a hint. He just said, belt clip. And I never wore it again. And having an older brother and having uh, a, a Lithuanian, I feel like there's something about the Baltic area that is very like, I'm going to tell you. Yes. Mom, like, I'm just going to shoot. The-. I was like, I was grateful to him. Yeah. I laughed. Yeah. I took it off. And I never forgot it. Yeah. And and you know what? Emily, uh, Emily and Kumail had that in my life. I got divorced. And I, they were like, I was like, I've never dated in my life. I've never, I, I was 28. And I was like, I just missed out on everything that you guys knew. And Emily was like, well, maybe don't wear every t-shirt from a college you performed at. <laughs> and it was sort, of, it was sort of roasty, but I was like, fucking, you guys... I've been thinking this and not yeah. telling me. Like, tell me. I and thought it was fine. That's why I think it's important. I would hate to think that somebody who tells me they love me allowed me to do something that just wasn't good, that wasn't appropriate, that or I was saying something or doing or wearing something that they were like, you, you're going to regret this next year. Like, just don't do it. That's right. I would feel I would feel betrayed by them. And so that's why I feel empowered to say these things. And I know that everybody who knows me, everybody who is actually close to me knows I'm never trying to hurt somebody, truly never trying to hurt somebody. If I know I've hurt somebody, it kills me. Like it, it eats me up in, inside so badly. And so if when I say something, I'm just trying to help. Of course. I, I knew before you even finished that, I was like, I bet Tan is the kind of guy that if he does accidentally, and by the way, every comedian is this way, every roast comedian specifically, yeah. I know if they cross a line, it bothers them for weeks. Not Natasha Leggero. I've been uh, feeling she can give a fuck and I love her for it. That I is love her for it. Divine. I'll, we'll both do our own uh, research on that. I'm not sure. I could see it going either way. Uh-huh. Uh, because she's sweet. Everybody, But not that you aren't sweet if you don't. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All of this truth telling, I wasn't even planning. This is not in my notes, but I'm curious about um, your coming out. Was it, this is a leading question. I only ask leading questions. Yeah. The tan that I'm talking to now, the tan from this family, this this core of authenticity, I can't see you struggling, even though Muslim, even though I knew you were in the UK, but but still it, it's a it's a difficult thing. We were still in, we were basically in Pakistan in the UK. Like we were in a Pakistani community in the UK. It oh, was wow. Pakistan, even though we were on British soil. Oh wow. um, uh, so that makes it difficult because you are still in a very much e- uh, Eastern community um, sure. and it's very uh, traditional. I, uh, the authenticity thing or the, the, the uh, need to just be resolute was always there. And so I, as a kid, I knew I was gay. There was nobody else like me that I'd ever known. Um, and so I knew it was going to be difficult coming out. However, there was no alternative. I wasn't going to hide it. Um, I wasn't willing to pretend I wasn't. Um, and so I came out early. I started coming out to 
the people close to me at 16. By the time I was 20, everybody knew. Um, and it was made very simple. If you don't want, if you don't respect me because I'm gay, you won't be in my life and it's your loss, not mine. Um, I know I'm fun to be around. I'm, I take care of everyone. Like I cook for you all. I do. I, I was, I, I, I treat my people right. And so if you want to lose that, that's fine. I really like wow. men and I will continue to like men and I won't get married to a woman because you are not happy with my, uh, my, I was about to say choice. It's not a choice um, because you're upset with who I am. And well, so, your, your choice to be honest, I think is. Yeah. What it is. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, it, it, it was not, it wasn't, it wasn't that it was easy. Some people really struggled with it, um, but those people are no longer in my life and mm. it's very simple. And those people have come back around um, over the last two years since fame hit. Um, and <laughs> they don't have the luxury of a response from me. I leave them on red. Like they know that I read the message, but they don't have the luxury of me saying, no, it's, I'm glad you've made your peace with it. You weren't, you're not important enough in my life anymore. Wow. To absolve you of your shame. For being right. Sick. You shouldn't have to be famous to be accepted, right? I mean, th- there's something really vile about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I feel no shame in ignoring them. And having. I just think if you want to accept the fact that you made mistakes and you are now no longer homophobic, tell the people in your community who really need to hear it, I'm all good without your... Um, without having to rid you of your guilt. Yeah, that's so powerful. I really love that. I, this is... I think that people would think it's uh, it's vindictive. Uh, I don't see it that way. I think that those people aren't important enough in my life. If I desperately, desperately felt a loss, I would work on those relationships. I only work on relationships that really are important to me. And if there's a, a kink in them, I iron it out. But with people who fundamentally couldn't love me because I was gay and now believe that they can love me because I'm famous, they're not worth my time. Oh, who needs it? I I say this all the time, Dr. Seuss, be who you are because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Yeah. And, and I, this is not, uh, not that I'm, I'm not telling this to you. I'm sharing it for the audience. It's absolutely not a gay thing. I see this with everybody. You were in my case, the, the wet hand, sort of tempurpedic mattress bodied boy that that has birthmarks on his cheek and and uh, whatever talks too loud and th- and then it doesn't feel good that someone wants to reconcile for calling you names or for bullying you i mean i i it's 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 not doing myself any favors by going like you're right welcome yeah. to the party yeah if and you said this kind of in your own words if you've made peace with loving people who are in your mind different, Mm -hmm. that's a gift that you've already received. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy for you. Yeah. Like if you love me now, I'm happy because you are loving and I know what it feels like to love somebody and that's good. Yeah. I can still have that boundary to be like, I, I don't, I can forgive you. I can be fine with you, but I don't need to be texting with you. No, that's exactly it. I I don't need to give you my time. I think you lost that luxury many, many years ago, but I'm happy that you're a a better person. Yeah. Would you tell me, you've alluded in other interviews that I uh, watched for this, that there was some, some racism, some colorism, some Islamophobia, 
the reason I asked him, this is not, I don't know if you're familiar with the show. It's not a clickbait show. There's no headline. It's not that kind of thing. And even if there's something you say that you don't want in, we, we just take it out. This is your time. But I've, re- never, I've never done that because I only say what I want to say. And if people are offended by it, fuck them. But go ahead. You are just a treasure. You're a hurricane kick. I, I love everything that you say and everything that you are. It's wonderful. That, that caveat, that unnecessary caveat yeah. out of the way. Yeah. The reason I'm asking about bullying is because it matters to people. It's powerful yeah. to share those stories. Yeah. Um, what was your experience with that growing up? Yeah, it was uh, it was a resting state um, attack from uh, from the community, whether it be um, physical or verbal. I, I I never knew anything other than the threat of racism on a daily basis. Um, that when I first started to go, we start kindergarten early in the UK. We start uh, around about three, maybe four at the latest. And then by the time you hit five, you're in what we call reception, which is like your first grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and so first grade was when um, I was allowed to walk to school with my brother who uh, was seven at the time. It was literally two blocks away, really easy to get there. We weren't crossing any streets. Um, and so uh, that was when I first realized what they were saying and that I had to really be careful about where I was walking. And I mentioned this before, but I'm, I'm going to mention it again because I think it's really important. I want you to imagine any five-year-old that you know, whether it be your nephew, niece, a family friend uh, who has a child, Imagine them knowing at four or five that they had to be careful when they were outside because somebody would beat them purely because of the color of their skin or the God that they, they believed in. Um, it's, it was disgusting. Like it really was fucking disgusting. Um, a five-year-old worrying about that. And, uh, and the first time I became hyper, hyper aware of the fact that um, there were threats everywhere was um, when I had to walk to school alone because my brother was not very well. And my mom, obviously with many immigrants, they have multiple jobs. So my mom couldn't walk me to school. She would have already been at her work for an hour. And so I had to go to school alone. Um, and again, it wasn't a massive concern because it was only two streets away. It took less than five minutes to walk there if you're going at a glacial pace. Um, but the threat was... Um, uh, grown men or grown people attacking. And I think my mom, bless her, was convinced that we were children who would beat children um, mm. because she's a compassionate, caring person and a decent human being. Um, but after that, we we made sure that, after this one day in particular, we made sure that I wasn't work, walking to school alone any, ever again um, because I was attacked and I was beaten by people who were grown men. Grown men beat the shit out of me whilst I was trying to get to school. Um, and that was the moment I realized we're not safe here um, and we will never be safe here. And from a very early age, I knew I don't want to live in this country anymore. I love England. I'm very close with so many people in England. The majority of the people are wonderful. And what I'm saying is that the threat of attack was all too common where I was from. And that wasn't enough to keep, that was enough to make me want to leave the country as soon as I possibly could. So when I was 17, I visited the US and I started coming here very regularly knowing that this was going to be my home. Mm, This is truly heartbreaking. And I'm grateful that you're sharing it. And I'm grateful that we can all feel through this with you because it's, it's still happening. Yeah. And it's, 
it's, and, and the thing is, people don't understand. Like they can't, they can't reconcile it until you make it applicable to them. You know how you'll see something on the news in Syria or recently in Beirut because they're not white yeah. because they don't speak English. It doesn't hit home as strong. Whereas there was the fire in Australia, which don't get me wrong, of course they needed support. They had so much support from the world. They're white. They speak English. They're asking for help. The people in Lebanon, they needed help. Yeah, they, they needed help, but there are people of color, and so when we're attacked back home in England or any other country, the only way I can get people to understand is pretend it was your child, pretend it was somebody you love, and just imagine for a moment you send them off to school, telling them, "Hey, stand next to a woman, stand next to people, otherwise people are going to try and kill you today." You say that to your five-year-old and think that that's okay. Yeah. I don't know if it's because I'm a parent now, but this is just really wrecking me. <laughs> this is really, yeah. Uh, and I'm so sorry that it happened. And I'm so pleased that you're using it for positivity, but still sharing these stories because yeah. it's powerful, powerful stuff. So, and you decided to get out 16. Yeah. I noticed you said 16 and I was like, that seems pretty early. <laughs> no, I knew earlier on that I was going to leave England I didn't know where I was going to go to, but I always fantasized about America. I watched a lot of American TV um, as a kid, and I didn't really know of anywhere else, quite honestly, as a child. I didn't know what they might, those countries might look like. And most of our TVs are British or American. And so I fantasized about moving to America. And then just before my 17th birthday, I came to New York, and, um, and I loved it so much. And I was shocked that nobody called me anything racist but for the whole five days we were here. And normally I'd get it most days, if not every day, at least a couple of times a week, somebody would call me. There's a certain word they use for, for my people in England. Uh, I would get it at least a few times a week. So it was, we all noticed I came to America with three other uh, South Asian people and all of us were like, nobody's called us anything for like five days. Like That's wow. insane. They don't know what to call us because we speak with an English accent and we're brown. They have no idea where we're from. And I sat there thinking, I'm going to fucking move here. Like they don't know what to call me. They don't know how to insult me. This is the, the place I need to live. And so I made it my mission to live here. When? When I was 17, I started applying for visas immediately. Wow. I moved here when I was 21 for a short time. Then I, then I relocated completely when I was 24. Were you devastated? I'm assuming as friends of Kumail, we saw that episode of Little America about the guy who, who moves here. It's a gay man. It's the Middle East. Oh, you loved it? <laughs> okay. You know. okay, listen, I'm going to tell you a story that is God's on his food. So Camille knows I have well, Camille knew I hadn't seen the show and I promised I would. So I was on a press tour for my new show in January. Uh, I think it was like Sirius X FM, I think it's called. And Camille, I, w I didn't know he was there. I was walking down the hall and then with my team and then he was walking up the hall with his team and Emily. And we're like, oh my gosh, what are you doing here? And he was like, I've got this show. It launched a few days ago called uh, Little America. And I was like, what network's it on? Is it Netflix? He was like, no. He said, I think it's Apple, right? He was like, it's on Apple. I was like, oh, I don't have Apple. And he was like, you tight bitch. Like it's $5 a month. And I was ah. like, I know, I don't know why, but the thought of spending an extra $5 a month when I have Hulu, Disney, 
Amazon and Netflix. I'm like, the thought of spending an extra $5 on another network just seems excessive. It's like, you are so cheap. And I was like, I know. And I said, I promise I'll get it just so I can watch the show. And I still haven't because I can't reconcile spending five more dollars. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what you guys didn't see was Tan was going, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I was mouthing, I have not seen the show. Well, there's a very beautiful, there's many very beautiful episodes, but there's there's specifically a guy sort of escaping homophobia and, and from the totally, totally different story but still beautiful. I just wanted to sort of plug it and talk uh, about it. Uh, here's, oh, I've got, okay. I've got five more minutes, my sister's saying, got five minutes you've got before I've got 12.30. So, uh, but I will say this. I, um, uh, when it comes to uh, uh, abuse in the UK, it, it's interesting when you are, uh, we call it intersectional, where you have more than one thing that is a, a minority group that you represent. It becomes very complicated for people to understand. And so I never had issues with being gay. Like nobody, I, there was no homophobia <laughs> towards me in school, which now I find so bizarre. I'm like I was obviously gay. When my school just that woke that they didn't care no there were other gay kids in school who were white who got a lot of shit it's because they were too caught up on me yeah. being brown that they brown just... beat gay yeah brown beat gay it. wow you mean you you have to go in five minutes yes i'm so sorry but 12 30 no it's uh, totally fine yeah we oh god i wish i had known i i wouldn't have talked about all that no, it's okay. I thought it was going to be an hour. And then my sister's like, are you still on this call? I'm like, yes. Oh, <laughs> I'm my so God. Sorry. I'm so Your sorry. assistants are in the shit house. We said <laughs> a two-hour window, um, which is she fine. Gave t- she never gave you a two-hour window. You're lying. No, we asked for a two-hour window. This is all fine. Whoa. Yeah, We've because never, I've never given more than an hour, but I was enjoying the conversation. I'm like, we're going to leave it until we need to go. And then apparently we need you to go. are so kind but we always talk it's about like eight minutes i can join the next zoom call as soon as we hang up so i've got uh, until 12 30 but tan the thing i was saving was i wanted to talk about your your faith and and being married to a a former mormon we always talk about the meaning of life i don't think you could do it in eight minutes you know no i can i don't i don't i've never professed to understand the meaning of life and i don't i think anyone who says that they understand the meaning of life is not telling the truth i think that we all may imagine that we feel like we understand who we are as people and who we uh, what will happen after this life whether it be your atheist and you don't know or you don't care this is it or if you're a person of faith um but even as a person of faith i think especially in my religion we don't know like we truly don't know it doesn't articulate what happens after life other than heaven and hell and that's it. It's not a case of you will do X amount of this in heaven, X amount of that in hell, and then you will go on to this space. There's none of that. I, there is in the Mormon faith. I don't understand it very well, but I know that they, it's a little more laid out. In my religion, it isn't. And so I I do have not blind faith, but I have faith in the fact that if I do all I can to be a good person now, I love my husband and treat him well i love the people around me and treat them well i don't um i do acts of service and i don't do anyone a disservice that i am giving myself the best chance of 
hopefully positivity after this life because I do believe that there's more after this life personally if somebody doesn't believe that so be it I do um but it's not a case of well I'm doing x y and z because I really want to I really want to get to that upper echelon of heaven Hmm. I really want those 27 virgins like none of that it's just a case of do all you can and if there turns out to be something special afterwards wonderful if not, it doesn't matter. You've still done the best you can to be a good person. It doesn't matter if there's no payoff. Mm. Or, but you don't fear the punishment. I remember talking with Kumail. We both grew up with that fear of the punishment. And, yeah. and he told me I don't some... fear it anymore. I used to. It, I'm, I'm still Muslim. I still absolutely am Muslim. But um, I think that as a child, when I was in uh, mosque, and we're taught certain things in mosque. I think there's a lot of fear that's instilled within us to get us to behave. And I think that's to encourage children to really behave themselves and do things a certain way. But as I got older, I realized, no, I, I don't believe in that. The person that you are telling me, the, the entity that you're telling me about, which is God, you are telling me is the most, merc- the most merciful, the most loving, the most kind. I don't think that the person that I've been encouraged to believe in so greatly is going to damn me to hell for the rest of my life because I fell in love with a man because I love somebody. If I was, if I was committing heinous crimes, yeah, maybe I would, but you told me that this entity loves people who love, who are kind, who are giving. What am I doing that's wrong? Right. And just point of fact, I wasn't even thinking of the gayness. I wasn't even like, Oh, are you afraid of that judgment? Because of course that would be, uh, a consideration, I suppose, especially growing up. But I was just like, as another human who grew up religious, I'm like, I still go bumpy plane ride. What if it's the bad one? Um, but I'm I'm over that as well, and I'm happy. Yeah, that I think that that's a really horrible place to be in if you're in a religion that you're basing your actions on fear that you will yeah. be punished, as opposed to your your desire to just be good. That's right. It, a, a fear and depravity model. Yeah. The, the love that I see orchestrating the universe seems to be abundant, generous to everyone. It's something that Jesus said, the rain is given to the, the righteous and the unrighteous. Everybody gets the good. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah exactly. That's beautiful. Um, do you have 30 seconds to tell me the hardest time you laughed in your life? Three more minutes. Yeah. Um, God, the hardest I've ever laughed in my life. That's a hard or, or to soften it. Tears are streaming down your your face. You are laughing. Where are you? How old are you? Who are you with? It could be. Yeah, I do remember one moment because I, I, I there used to be a photo that no longer exists, which is frustrating. It was on my wedding day, um, in New York. So we had a wedding in. Uh, England uh, many, many years ago, 12, 10 years ago. And then we got American married for my green card. And um, and we were in a, a place called, uh, gosh, little, oh shit, was it called? A buttercup bake shop in New York. And uh, we went there to have cupcakes after my wedding, uh, our wedding. And we were laughing so hard because um, during the ceremony, the the person who was officiating said, uh, repeat after me. And one of the lines was, I promise to love and respect you always. And my husband misheard and said, I promise to love and respect your ways as if my ways were weird. And he made me, and he started, he started to giggle 
and I just thought, oh, it's my wedding. We're going through the ceremony. I should probably not be laughing hysterically, but I was laughing so hard. And even by the time we went for cupcakes, I was laughing so hard. Like you made me sound like a crazy person. I promise respect to love and respect your ways, which are clearly insane. <laughs> You're like, am I eating this cupcake weird? Is it normal to eat it from the bottom? I eat the bottom first. That's what I do. Will you respect this? A lot of things. I, I laugh a lot. I I laughed probably too easily. But I you had mentioned earlier on that I uh, I you know that I like comedy. I love comedy. Um, and most of the TV I watch is comedy specials. When I go out, I don't go to events. I will go to a comedy club. Wow. Um, I love comedy and. Uh, the, I have a couple of comedy specials that I've listened to recently that I've watched recently that I was just obsessed with. Um, Wanda Sykes always makes me laugh. Like yeah. guttural, like so hard. Yeah, she's um, great. And then there's a man called, um, uh, oh my God, he's a friend of mine. And I've just, uh, Ryan Hamilton. It was because I was uh, trying to, I was thinking. Talking of, about Utah, one of the best in the business, Ryan Hamilton. He's incredible. He's incredible. Because I forgot his name. I was thinking of his stand-up special name and I was like, gosh, did he call it Happy Face? And I think it's called Happy Face. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's he's one of the the lesser known ones on Netflix, but I didn't know him before um He's fantastic. Before show. It was so beautifully done. And I'm sat there now thinking, how did you not become one of the greats after that special is so yeah. well done. Oh, that's so sweet. I hope he hears this. He's I mean, so I made good. It, I made it my point to befriend him. And so now we, we go to, we, I go to comedy shows with him and I love him. Oh, great. Recently. Uh, I, I love him. If I love somebody that much in comedy, I do all I can to make sure that, make sure I, I befriend them. Well, that's great. Well, if I get to reschedule my dates in Utah, I, I'll at least get Let your assistant. Let me know. I would love pumps. to watch. That I mean, is so sweet. I really enjoyed this, Tan. I hope you did as well. This is wonderful you, I for did. me. I'm so sorry about the confusion about the timing, but thank you for having me. If I knew it was an hour, I would have taken it. There's no there's no hard feelings here. I just w- could talk to you for another hour. That's all I'm saying. Uh, me too, me too. Thank you well, so much for your kind words. I appreciate it. Uh, and when you are in Utah, please do let me know. I really do want to come watch. I will. And would you say, this is how we end, the guest says the catchphrase, which is keep it crispy. Would you say keep it crispy for us? Yes. Keep it crispy. <laughs> It felt even more, I don't know, dignified, stylish, (laughs) wonderful. Thank you, Tan. Thank you, Pete. Enjoy the rest of your day. Stay safe. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Bye, Katie, if you're listening.